If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Welcome to the Fade Route with DNZ. Here are your hosts, DNZ. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fade Route. I am D, and with me as always is Z. We got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about Dak not playing in the preseason, Tim Tebow getting cut by the Jaguars, and we're going to order up the NFC West. But we'll begin today's show with analyzing the first set of preseason games. This was our first chance to see the rookie quarterback class in action. They did not disappoint. So, Z, which quarterback did you think played well, and which quarterback do you think needs more reps? Well, first and foremost, glad to be here tonight, as always. And go over the numbers a little bit. You know, Justin Fields definitely had the most impressive line. You're looking at 14 for 20, 142 yards and a touchdown. Plus, he got his legs going, five carries for 33 and a touchdown. He did fumble the ball, but he did recover. So that's something that you definitely you know, need to take into account. Uh, Trey Lance had probably the best play of the, uh, the five, because we have to include Mac Jones in on this, even though you know he's not the, the splashiest of the rookie quarterbacks. You know, he just kind of like is the, the old hat veteran among these guys but Trey Lance had that 80 yard touchdown pass with Jimmy G on the sideline being the most supportive teammate in the world to a man who's about to take his job so that one singular play did not erase the fact that Trey Lance was 5 of 14 and got sacked four times that's something that definitely needs to be addressed Matt Jones 13 and 19 Efficient can't say much more than that. He did get sacked. He didn't. Uh, no touchdowns. No fumbles. So, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not. He did not perform like we expect Sunshine to perform. You know, six and nine for seventy-one with a fumble and two sacks. You got to be worried about him. You have to be worried about Lance. Zach Wilson. How many times have we got to say it about him? So I'm just going to focus on Lawrence and Lance here. These offensive lines may get these guys killed. Let's just put it out there. Like they need to, if they are going to get sacked on the regular, they're going to need to learn very quickly, get rid of the ball quickly, or if it's not there, just pull a Tom Brady and turtle up. Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with Justin Fields. I actually watched that whole game. He just looked very comfortable. He looked in command of the offense. He he did fumble. He had a couple of scattered runs, but he he, he looked good. He's 15 or 20, I think he said. And um, I really liked what I saw. I liked his poise. It, I don't. I think Andy Dalton's still going to be the star. Andrew Dalton's still going to be the starter. But Fields looked good. I was actually really concerned with Trey Lance. I mean, other than that 80-yard bomb. Um, uh, he was, like you said, 5 for 14 with a touchdown and four sacks. Yeah. Uh, looking like, it looks like Jimmy G's going to be getting the start there. We're going to order up this division later on in the show. But, yeah, uh, I, I didn't look too much into the other guys. Um, Zach Wilson seemed okay. Lawrence, I know you were picking on him a bit. But, you know, he's, he's he doesn't have the best talent in front of him there. Um, aside, aside from the rookies, 
I really liked what I saw from P.J. Walker, who's a second-year player on the Panthers. The ex-XFL star was 10 for 21 with a touchdown, but he also reminded me of Fields. Like, good command of the offense, looked very comfortable back there. Nothing crazy, but he looked good. Another guy, I know you're going to laugh, but I really liked... I told you this in live time. Denver looked amazing. I really liked Drew Locke. <laughs> Drew Locke looked, like, dialed in, comfortable. He looked like a pro. I was very impressed with Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos this past weekend. I thought you were going to say Josh Rosen. Oh, I, guy. I thought you were going to. I really thought that's where you were going. That guy, he's looking in the one ads right now. Absolutely. Well, you know, I... In terms of busts, has there been a bigger recent bust than Josh Rosen? He was top 10. Like well, he was, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think Dwayne Haskins is a bust so far. I think that's a Yeah, but he wasn't bust. drafted. Was he drafted as highly as Josh Rosen? No, no, he wasn't. But, you know, uh, from what I'm hearing is Josh Rosen has some has happy feet. He gets mm. nervous in the pocket. Um uh, you know, it, I, I feel I feel terrible about it because I actually had him highly rated coming out of college. I thought I thought Rosen was the best quarterback, and I thought Josh Allen was the best passer. Yeah, clearly I was wrong there. Um, but they it's not, it feels like they knew this really pretty early on in in Arizona, which is why the following year they had no problem picking up Murray and sending Rosen to. Uh, I think what he went to Miami, then he went to Tampa, and then he just got cut by the 49ers. I don't, I don't think he's gonna get another shot anywhere. I think it's pretty much done for him. But um, it's a shame I, because he had a, he had a nice, he had a nice college career. No, he definitely did, and not every college quarterback can be a pro quarterback. So I mean, look at a guy like Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington was setting records in Oregon, and you know. He just didn't deliver the goods for the Lions. But let, let's get to the concept of preseason football. I mean, I know you're watching P.J. Walker. I know you were talking about the Denver Broncos. I just can't get into it, man. It's it's a light Twinkie. It's Diet Coke. It just doesn't do anything for me, it, uh, the, especially the first two games. You know, it, in the past, it's been like, oh, I'll play a season. I'll play a series, rather. I'll play a couple series. And the real nitty-gritty is in that game three. You're playing a half. You're playing against, presumably, the starting defensive forward, uh, the starting defensive front of the other team. You might start seeing something a little bit different that you, uh, you'd be used to. A lot of vanilla going on right now. And that is something that is very concerning, though, is that you're seeing a lot of vanilla, and some of these guys aren't performing. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I guess I, I I approach the preseason differently. I enjoy the busted plays. I enjoy the broken coverages. You see a lot of that in preseason. I enjoy the missed tackles and the sloppy play because, I don't know, it's just it's fun for me. I, I You don't get to see it every day. And then there's always that, like I said, I really enjoyed watching P.J. Walker play. You know, he might not even make the team. And we may never see him play football again, but it was nice to see him spin it. And um, and you get to see Justin Fields for the first time. You get to see certain players for the first time before they're in live action. And you could get a feel for if somebody has a grasp of the offense and if somebody is scared out there and if somebody is in, really knows what they're doing. And and honestly, I didn't I didn't feel that. I know everyone's like really, you know, going crazy over the, the Trey Lance, but he was a guy when I was watching the games, I was like, eh, you don't look as sharp as these other dudes do. And That's the problem, a, though. You were taking ahead of all, you know, you were taking ahead of a lot of these guys. Like, if I'm, I mean, <laughs> this week in fuckery with the New York Jets, if I'm the New York Jets, and I'm, I've got my scouts looking at other teams, you look at Justin Fields and you're like, man, did we miss this guy? Did we miss this guy? You know, uh, big. He played in the Big Ten. He seemed so comfortable running with the ball. Yeah, he he hurt his. He tweaked his groin. But there's no way. You, I mean, you're you've got your guy. You're going to move forward, your guy. But there's no way you don't look at that tape and you're like, man, this could come back to hurt us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, granted, you know, you had your opportunity. It was number two. 
You, you, you were number two in the draft. So you can have all the buyer's remorse you want on Zach Wilson eventually. I don't think it's fair right now after one preseason game, you know? Uh, as far as like preseason superstars that actually turn out to be, you know, all world players, Victor Cruz is really the only guy that I can think of that was head and shoulders above everybody else and catapulted, you know, that preseason success into a long-standing career. I mean, you'll have your flashes, you'll have your guys. Uh, I mean, another another good example, Dante Hall. Dante Hall turned, you know, preseason success as a kick returner into a potential Hall of Fame career as a special teamer. Like guys like that are few and far between when it comes to the preseason. So, I I just I I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of the uh, the broken plays, like you said. I'm not a fan of sloppy football. I want to yeah. see it dialed in, and that's the problem with the reduced preseason because now it's kind of leeching its way into the regular season, and you're really not seeing crisp football until week four sometimes. Right, right. So that's that's one of the other problems is that you know they're not they're not taking it seriously and like let. Like, let's go into our next, you know, topic, which is... We're Speaking of taking about, it seriously. Right. We're talking about Dak Prescott, who Mike McCarthy said today that now he doesn't think he's going to play in any preseason games. He's going to really save him for the regular season. So here's a guy who's hurt his shoulder in the beginning of camp. He really severely hurt his leg last season. And now his first game action is going to be week one. I, I just, you know, what say you? I mean, don't you think he should get in some play? Week one against the reigning defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are returning that defensive front back. So Sha- Shaq Barrett and JPP will meet him in the backfield and say hello. They're going to get him. They're going to get him. Absolutely, they're going to get him. And I think this is a mistake on Mike McCarthy's part. I understand he's a known quantity. He's not competing for a job. Yeah, He still needs to get his legs under. Right? Forget forget the arm for a second. This guy's friggin' ankle came out of his socket last year on the field. He needs to get his sea legs under him, and then I mean, he, he yeah, kind of get the rhythm going. Get the rhythm going. He needs to take a hit. Yeah. He needs to run out of the pocket and get hit. And I just, I'm not sure if I agree with this all happening week one against Tampa in Tampa. I no. just, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right. And, and it doesn't matter if all you do is put him in there to hand it off. Like get him to feel like the butterflies, get him to feel like he's going because I know they added an extra game this year, but you, you, you know, you could see even last year, like the Buccaneers really didn't hit their stride until week seven or week eight. And that was because, you know, of what well, everything was going on with COVID. But there right. are certain teams that just can't afford that luxury. You can't afford to go 0 and 3 or 1 and 4 and then play from behind just because you were worried about getting hurt in the preseason. I, I just, you know, I just don't, I don't see the merit in it. Like, would you rather just play every game from the beginning? And then what good is that going to do for your team? Like right. you can't you can't say that a team like the Buccaneers is not going to be ahead of a team like the Jets or a team like like the um, or a team like the the the, the, the uh, Patriots because they're returning most of their players. Their game their 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 playbook hasn't changed. They right. have a lot of veterans that get it. It's not we're learning a new offense. We're looking at new reads. Even I heard that Burrow is going to be held out of the preseason. He's a guy that has admitted that he's not really feeling comfortable when he's feeling pressure in the pocket in training camp. He's getting a little skittish when people get around his legs. And so most of the time that goes away after the big hit. But why would you want that big hit to happen week one? I just... I don't know. Uh, No, you're 100% right. You definitely would rather get it out of the way. And... I mean, as far as Joe Burrow goes, like they set that kid up to fail when they drafted his, when they drafted Jamar Chase. You had the opportunity to bolster that offensive line, and you fucking failed this kid already. 
So that's neither here nor there. Like I, we'll talk about the Bengals another time and how they royally screwed this kid. But as far as Jack Prescott goes, I, I can understand why they would want to hold him back a little bit, considering the fact that we invested so much money in him and we don't want him to re-aggravate an injury or overcompensate. And now he has a new injury and he's out for an even longer period of time. You could juxtapose this with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not playing at all in the preseason. They want to look at Jordan Love. It's an entirely different situation. Right. Dak right. Prescott's coming off of injury. You you need to look at Dak Prescott. You got to know what the hell's going on because right. you need you need to know if I do I ha- do I need to deploy Garrett Gilbert? Do I need to deploy Cooper Rush? Do I need to go out and get a veteran to get to bolster this room? You need you need to figure this out. You need to figure it out fast. Not only that, but the guy's been compl- the guy's been complaining about yeah. shoulder pain. Mm-hmm. Like, what what are you gonna do when it's the third quarter in Tampa and his shoulder starts flaring up? What, you're gonna throw ice on him and tell him you don't have to go back in? It's not like you can get a shot for one of these things. Like, right. how is he gonna? How are you gonna rev up this engine uh, to be ready for that? You know, September game. If he doesn't get out there and start ripping it, like really ripping it, you think the first time you throw an 80 yard bomb in a game, it's going to connect? I I don't know, man. I mean, it's not for a guy that hasn't been on the field no. in as long as he has. No, absolutely not. And but fortunately for Dak Prescott, the offense still runs through Ezekiel Elliott. So he could use that first, the first series or two against Tampa to kind of get his feet under him and kind of hand off and kind of get a feel for that. But eventually, I mean, Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator, right? As much as we slagged Todd Bowles as a head coach, you smell that? He smells that too. That's blood. But he smells blood in the water and he's going to attack this is what Todd Bowles does as a defensive coordinator. As a, as a head coach, no. But as a defensive coordinator, it's what he does. And he's going to send his team after you. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. One player that doesn't have to worry about getting ready for the preseason or the regular season is Mr. Tim Tebow. He got cut by his old ball coach, Urban Meyer, this past week. What's next for Timmy? Well, honestly, it's hard to say because he's had three careers already, right? Out of college, he was professional quarterback left to go be uh actually might have had four careers i think he was a a missionary at one point so after the missionary work he started working for espn as an analyst for college football then he got the baseball bug and played uh, multiple seasons in the mets minor league system and then he tried this so you know it is it's good to be tim tebow like this is not a negative on his career. Yes, he couldn't play tight end. Maybe 10 years ago, he could have. But honestly, the best thing for him is probably to just go back there to ESPN, be a college football analyst, and do what you do best. And that is break down the collegiate game of football. The problem is, right, you now have him, you now have RG3, 
and you have Mark Sanchez all in that uh, same role. Think about that. Sanchez know about anything. <laughs> he he once ate a hot dog on the sideline. <laughs> the hell does that guy know about anything? Like literally, the guy has failed on every level. Like what? <laughs> and Matt Liner too. I don't know if he's working for ESPN anymore, but uh, Matt Liner is also a college football analyst. I think he works for Fox now. Yeah, Matt, Matt Liner's okay. He at least won a national title. I mean. Um, yeah, but that's a pretty stacked room, right? You have Sanchez, you have Tebow, and then you have RG3, who just signed on. So, I don't know. Time's tough. Maybe he'll go back to be the starting right fielder for the Syracuse Mets. I don't know. I just think it was 10 years too late. I mean, he should have switched to tight end when Belichick asked him to years ago. He had a great he had a great job with ESPN and the SEC network. Yeah. I thought he was gonna I thought he was a, I always thought he was a great analyst. I liked him, you know, football to baseball and back to football. I think his playing days are done at thirty four. I actually think he has the chance to get into politics, especially down in, in Florida. Yeah. Um, pe- people like Tebow. He works hard at everything he does. I don't have a bad thing to say about the guy other than you know, just I just think he he got a raw deal. I mean, there there were times where people were playing quarterbacks off the practice squad, where I thought Tim Tebow could totally do that. I mean, it's hard to believe that you know he he wasn't he wasn't allowed to play the position he played in college. I thought right. he was serviceable. You can't tell me that there are. Uh, you know, uh, 60 guys better than Tim Tebow in professional football as a, as a quarterback. I just don't believe it. Um, I saw him play in that Pittsburgh game in the playoffs, and he, he won. He beat them. He beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I, I think he didn't benefit from proper coaching, and there was a way to play to his strengths that nobody that nobody gave nobody gave a chance to. No, I have two words for you. Taysom Hill. We're going to talk about him later. You're telling me that Tim Tebow couldn't have been the, the early prototype of Taysom Hill? Yeah. Uh, absolutely not. You know, the, the, all they had to do was coach him up. And, you know, I'm not saying it, he was failed by his coaches because it's a two-way street. You need to be open and receptive to the, the idea that, hey, maybe I'm not that good. Yes, I was good in college. Like Terrell Pryor had to change positions. Like you had got you had guys who have done this before you, so uh, Julian Edelman, another great example, college quarterback. I can't make it as a quarterback. Let me reinvent myself as a wide receiver, and he was a solid to great wide receiver. So you know, it, there's a little bit of hubris. We've talked about it before. Uh, one guy who I'm sure is reveling in this is Bart Scott. Bart's happy birthday, Bart. By the way, friend of the show. And uh, yeah, Bart was killing him for taking from for taking a job from somebody. Well, he was what the eighty eighth man out of ninety guys. So like, what yeah, job did he really take? Uh, yeah, I don't buy into what really job did he take? Job. He didn't take anybody's job. I didn't buy any, into any of that. No. Um, but you know, you just. You see players like Case Keenum, it's just like, he could have did that. Like, he, he didn't need to blow the doors off of people. He just needed to be serviceable, and I thought he could have done that with any team. He really Absolutely. Could've. Absolutely, he could have with the right coaching and the right attitude. He definitely could have, you know, like I said, at, at best be the early generation uh, Taysom Hill. At the very worst, a competent backup. Yeah. And that, and yeah. That, there's, not, there's nothing there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with that i mean no look at what cam he, he, look what look what cam newton did this past season he had i think it was like double digit rushing touchdowns and he threw more interceptions than passing touchdowns you tell me tim yeah. couldn't do that no he absolutely could have and you know what he's built like a friggin' bull so he would he'd run over some people he would run over some people so yeah he definitely is a big dude Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to teespring.com, type The Fade Store into the search bar, and have access to our sweatshirts, t-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, tank tops, and much more on the way. That's teespring.com. Type in The Fade Store at the search bar and show your boys some love. Rep The Fade Route brand only 
at the Fade Store only on teespring.com. Uh, yeah, so switching gears a little bit, um, jump into the the Yankees. They're they've caught the Boston Red Sox, and looks like they looks like they're gonna pass them here to get that wild card spot. But what came in the news this week was Zach Britton, uh, who was asked to be the closer for the Yankees while Araldis Chapman rehabbed and got better from an injury, stopped into. Aaron Boone's office and said he is not the guy to close and he needed to find another closer. Oof. So is this fair or foul for a player to come to coach and say you gotta find another guy? Honestly, remember we were just talking about how Jimmy G is probably the best teammate alive? No. I now nominate Zach Britton for best teammate alive. He knows he's shit this year so rather than run himself out there Skip, I'm not right. You need to find somebody else because I'm not right right now. He's the most that is that is self-aware and selfless in us in an environment where selfishness is rewarded. So I will give all the credit in the world to Mr. Britton. He knows his numbers, right? In 11 safe situations or his 11 uh, safe situation appearances this year, 7.45 ERA. Sounds like a New York yeah, well, yeah, they could probably use him. I mean, he's probably free. I, I would take uh, Britain for Batances right now. Like, that would be fine. That would end up being a fucking waste. But nine and two-thirds innings pitched eight earned runs. And then in non-safe situations, he's given up another three earned runs in six innings pitched. So he is not having a great year. And he got torched in the Field of Dreams game. So <laughs> so there's that. Um so, yeah, I think it's a totally selfless act. And as far as guys to replace him, like Boone is running out a combination of Jonathan Lewisaga and Chad Green to pretty decent success right now. And when, once Aroldis Chapman gets back, you're definitely going to reevaluate it. But seeing how, you know, Aroldis Chapman was just gasoline to a fire this year for the better part of a month. You gotta ride with a hot hand, I think, especially since Chapman's coming off injury. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's two sides to this argument. I, I I agree with you to a certain extent. I do admire him for going to the coach and addressing his concern about becoming the closer, and especially you know during this time of the season where they're really fighting for a wild card spot and a playoff berth. But I think it's up to Boone to. Find ways to build confidence in him. Put him in position to succeed. Additionally, I think Britain needs to work on better ways to get getting people out. I mean, you're a reliever. We brought you here to get people out. Figure it out. Like, stand up to the challenge. Like, take this on as a challenge. Like, I'm going to figure it out. Whether it's pitching around guys, stop trying to overpower people, um, you know, try to trick people i just i just don't agree with saying you know what you can't rely on me at all you got to go to somebody else out there i mean britain's making over 10 million dollars a year I, I just don't think deferring to chad green who's only making two million dollars a year is fair and you're jacking up the whole bullpen now because now they got to change the way they're going to approach things. And you pretty much put the, the burden on other people. You can't always come into games when the Yankees have a six-run lead or a five-run lead or a down by a run and expect that that's going to be your role. You're on the New York Yankees, dude. Like, you've got to – I really think you got to bear down and figure it out. You know, how – how could Boone, how could Boone have any confidence in ever putting him in another game after that conversation? How could you trust him in any situation now? Well, you're speaking as if Aaron Boone is actually the manager of the New York Yankees. Actually, making these personal decisions and a but, competent person, right? Like you're speaking as if this is dare I say it, Joe Torre. Like I couldn't stand Joe Torre, but like he would never have put up with this. But in this situation, like. I think the best thing to do is to actually devoid him of these situations un until you feel like he's built up enough confidence and you need to put him in situations where he's not going to be in such a high leverage situation. So there are ways to go about this. You can either 
run through it, run over it, run around it. And the best way to do it sometimes is to just kind of step away and get back into some kind of rhythm and just get back into having a level of confidence to where you can perform at a higher level. And guys have been removed from closer roles before, usually not at their request. I think that's what makes it different is that most guys are kind of slave. They're either slave to the salary or they're a slave to my role and they wouldn't do this. A per- prime example, Oliver Perez. Oliver Perez turned out to be one of the best loogies in Major League Baseball for a five-year period. This is the same guy who refused to go to the minor leagues because he was killing the team. So I, I think there's a-, a little bit of that here is that he knows he's not helping the team right now and especially that they're in a pennant race right now. They're in a pennant race that they did not expect to be in. They made up ten and a half games in a month. So you yeah, but they, need to kind of take did, that into right, account. But they, they also did that with him on the team. And I think it's different if Sometimes Luizica, in spite of him though. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes in spite of him. I think it's different if Luizaga comes or Chad Green comes to you and says that. But dude, you're Zach Britton. Like you were brought here to be a setup guy at one point. I just, I, I'm not, I agree with you. I think it, it was, I admire what he did. I give him a lot of credit for what he did, but it's up to the coach to instill confidence in the player. It's not like he was making him a permanent closer. It's like, I just need you to close some games while Rodless Chapman's out. And if, and if he came to him and he was like, you know, I just, I don't think I have it right now. And you might want to go somewhere else, you know, to get a better closer and say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in position to succeed. Okay. If, if I, I'm going to put you in, we're going to come out with a game plan with the, with, with whatever situation you're in and we're going to execute and we're going to get it done because I believe in you. Like I said, how could he, how could he put him in a game after that? I would not put, feel comfortable putting him in any leverage situation after that conversation. Well, the way things are going, you're really not going to have much of a choice the way your bullpen is run because Chapman's out, Holmes is out. You're you're not going to have the personnel that you normally have available to you. So you're going to have to do what you have to do. And as you get as you're going to get closer to September and October, it will write itself. Chapman will be back. And you'll be working in different situations. And uh, maybe the comfort of being back into the routine will help Britain as well. It's also just such a good cop out. It's just like, oh, yeah, fine. You know, you get another closer. Not everybody could do this. Like, you know, you were born here to get people out. I need to get people out. Like, help me out here. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But um, you know, going on into the programming, the NBA released their Christmas Day games schedules. Uh, nice, nice list. Uh, are you happy with the selections? Well, I think it's important to see the headlines of it. You're looking at. You know, the AARP game with the Lakers and the Nets, that's definitely going to be one that you're keeping an eye on for sure. Atlanta, New York, Boston, Milwaukee, Golden State, Phoenix, even Dallas, Utah. These are all very good games, and they're all going to have stakes. Maybe not... Like the only one that I think won't be as intense is going to be Boston, Milwaukee. Yeah. But 
that other than that, like everybody's, yeah, it seems a little bit one-sided, but every one of those games, there's definitely something to play for there. And yeah, I, I think the NBA got this one right for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally, I don't really care for Hawks Knicks, but I guess I understand why they're doing it because of what happened last year in the playoffs. They're bringing, um, you know, they're bringing Trey Young back to the garden. Yeah. Kem- Kemba's going to be there, and the next got a new look, so it'll be fun. Celtics Bucks is a waste of time. It's just going to be a blowout city, especially if they gave Marcus Smart $70 million. <laughs> wow. The, the one the game I'm excited about the most is Warriors Suns. I think that's going to be a lot of fun because with the a healthy Clay Thompson, yeah, War, Warriors should be back, and the Suns were the number one team last year, so we're gonna we're gonna see what they're made of. Um, Nets Lakers pops possible finals preview. We don't know how many people are gonna actually play in that game, but thumbs up there. Mavs Jazz is meh. I don't really. Uh, I get. It would, no. it would have been nice if they had the 76ers in a game, maybe against the Heat, or maybe highlight some of the rookie class, like get some Pistons action, get some Rockets. Like, let's see that. Let's see that that the rookies. I mean, people are gonna people listen on Christmas Day. People are gonna watch basketball. I mean, that's that's just it's just a given. So showcase your best team, showcase your best talent, and try to captivate some new viewers. Honestly, I think that a more compelling game. Rather than Nets Lakers, would have been Wizards Lakers. Oh, that would have been very interesting. Just and especially if the Wizards win, it's just like, oh yeah, you got Russ, huh? Well, we got a team here. Yeah. Hey, you you know you guys are running on Geritol and LeBron's hairline, so we got just as much of an opportunity as you. But there, the interesting thing about this is that. I'm looking it up right now because I was my in, my interest was peaked. You're running up against the NFL. You have Cleveland and Green Bay, right? Good game, good game. And the night game, Indianapolis and Arizona. Good game. That's 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 a good schedule. Personally, I'm watching that. I'm not watching basketball, but that's yeah, but- me. I mean, basketball has their viewers. You know, people are people are, are accustomed to watching NBA basketball on Christmas Day. You get a good lineup of games. Um, That's that is true, but football is king in this country. Oh, football! Yeah, so, oh, football, football is football they'll is get their king, guys. But that Colts game could be if if Wentz is out, Nelson's out, and that team is already heading south. They might not. You, you mean get if, if Sam Ellinger's on this? Uh, if if he's under center? Yeah, big Sam. Oh, big, oh Sammy, Sammy. And but as we far as Sam, because we love. Yeah, but the Arizona, the Arizona game will be good. But like I said, you're gonna you're gonna get there are people that are gonna watch the NBA, especially on Christmas Day. It's a big deal, and the games are usually good. It'd be interesting to see if the Warriors are back to their flashy ways, where they're blowing people out and they're scoring a whole bunch of points. So, you know, we'll. We'll be able to see what happens there. Yeah, no, we definitely will see what happens. And speaking of seeing what happens, two NBA stars got paid. Joel Embiid and the 76ers agreed in a four-year, $196 million Supermax contract extension. Takes him through to 2026-2027. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic, back up the truck, my friend. Back up the truck. $200 million contract extension. It's going to keep him in Dallas until 2027. So my question to you, which team will regret the decision, Philly or Dallas? Or both? Yeah, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I was actually very surprised by the Philly contract. I mean, $196 million, fully guaranteed deal for a guy... That on average misses about 17 games a year. He's a big guy. He hits the ground a lot. I've been saying that for a couple of years now. And he also needs a running mate. I mean, he's proven he can't do it by himself because he, you know, without Ben Simmons, with Ben Simmons, it's not much, you know. It's addition uh, by subtraction. I think. I, I think down the line, Philly's going to regret this. He, he's a big guy. Big guys tend to break down. 
Luca signing the $207 million extension, the guy constantly handles the ball. He plays almost every game, even when he's hurt. He needs help, too, but I think you can work with his talent. And with Embiid, I just think there's there's a chance of him breaking down in two to three years. Luka Doncic is a facilitator in addition to a scorer. So that makes it a little bit easier for the Dallas Mavericks to kind of construct an offense and bring in some players that'll complement Luka Doncic and what he wants to do. Kristaps Porzingis has been a waste. But we can, well, let's call it what it is. He has not lived up to the expectations that the Knicks first put on him when they drafted him as high as they did. Uh, Joel Embiid definitely needs another person around him. He needs a facilitator to get him the ball, get up and down the court. And Ben Simmons, he's one-dimensional. Yes, he's a passer. He's a facilitator. Yes, he's, he's not the right fit. Now, I mean, it's in a perfect world, you need a player like Luka to complement a player like Joel Embiid and vice versa because they play to each other's strength. They play to each other's strengths and form a complementary unit. Um, as far as which team is going to regret this, it's got to be the Sixers just from the simple fact that, you know, Joel Embiid his body is not going to get stronger as he gets older. Yes, he may put on muscle, but as you fall, as you continue, as, as you've documented many a time, the more times that you hit the deck, the more, the more difficult it is for you to get up off of that. And this is a guy who missed a significant amount of time even before he started playing, and then he's been averaging about 22 games out per year. So... That's going to end up being a scenario where they're going to try maybe year, maybe year three, year four, if they're still not in this morass of mediocrity. And what's even more mind blowing about this is they were the number one overall team in the East. And they're just like, meh. Well, so you know he and he already tore his meniscus in this last yeah, season. He was playing hurt, yeah. So who's to say that they don't want to get rid of him too later on? So it might it may end up being mutual. Like he may want out because he's not getting help, and they may not want him around because your best ability uh, best abilities availability and he's not available all the time. But Luca Luca is also not a sure thing based upon what they build around him. So it can't just be him and a bunch of guys. Like we've seen that before in other locations. We've seen that with other players. It can't just be him and five guys named Mo. It was just surprising to see Daryl Morey commit to such an extension, honestly. Um, I know he wants to build, you know, around Embiid. And, and Embiid is one of the best players in the league, you know. And I was surprised that Embiid doesn't even have an agent. He represents himself. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, but I, I think down the line, you know, there's there's not going to be Dwight Howard kind of regrets, but I think it's going to be like he's going to get to the point where he's just not on the court enough. No, absolutely. And it was smart enough and self-aware. He knows his body. He knows what's going on. He knows his history. So to get a fully guaranteed deal was very shrewd on Joel Embiid's part. And, you know, you know what they say about guys representing themselves in the court of law. He has a fool for a client. In this instance, this man does not have a fool for a client. He actually has a very, very smart man for a client. Well, he pulled it off, right? I mean, they didn't have, yeah. to, they didn't have to extend it. No, they didn't. And they, they absolutely they, didn't have to. They didn't have to. And uh, they, they did and locked him up. And he's their guy. And. And they're gonna they're gonna roll the dice with him. Yeah, but uh, what does this mean for Ben Simmons going forward? Because that trade that trade demand that Daryl Morey has out there is absolutely unrealistic. So, are are they rolling the dice with Ben Simmons this year and hoping that they can do a deadline deal, or 
do you think that they're just gonna you know eventually just kind of settle on something just to have something in place to start the new year with a fresh squad yeah i can't i can't see him settling he's kind of stated and put out there what he wants he can't back down now he can't show any weakness with that so you know that this is uh this is going to be something that might happen towards the trade deadline. The thing about that is I, I can't imagine a situation where Philly's out of it and they're going to want to give up Ben Simmons. Right. And I don't, I don't see how they're going to get better that way. You know what I mean? So I can it, see it. if, if Embiid is hurt, <laughs> which is very likely, which is more than likely he's going to miss some time. So right. I, I, that's, you, you never know what the future holds, but, you know, I mean, Daryl Morey is definitely, he knows what he's doing. Like he, he was the architect of those Rockets teams and he definitely, he built winners. So in Daryl, I trust only so far. More or less. All right, boys and girls, you know how this goes. We have a statement. It's either more likely or less likely that that statement will happen. More or less, number one, Taysom Hill will be the starting QB for the New Orleans Saints week one of the 2021 season. Man, I love this. This is awesome. I'm going to say it's less likely, and that's because... Jameis Winston is a former overall number one pick. He's got a big arm. I can't imagine Taysom Hill beating him out. We know what Taysom Hill is at this point. He's 30 years old. If he could have become the starter, it would have happened already, right? And mm-hmm. there would and and Taysom Hill started last year when Drew Brees was out and Winston was number two. So the fact that they're even still in a quarterback competition says a lot about Jameis Winston I think so I'm gonna say that no he's gonna go back to being a a very expensive gadget player and Jameis Winston is going to go back to his old ways (laughs) now by old ways you mean starting QB or you mean 30 touchdown 30 pick 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, started. No, I think Sean Payton's going to whip him into shape. I joke. I think he's going to play well. I think playing under, playing behind Drew Brees, getting, you know, kind of disrespected last year when Taysom Hill started over him, and being able to work with Sean Payton this year, I think he's, you think we're going to see a new guy. I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to surprise some people. I mean, I hope so, because I mean, he was 7 of 11 for 75 yards last year. That was Jameis Winston's number. So I, his, he's fresh. He's definitely fresh. So, And those are two uh, guys playing in the preseason. Like, both of them have been yeah. playing. Well, that's because nothing's, nothing is earned down there. Nothing is set in stone because Drew Brees up and left. So that's the, that's the scenario that's going on there. But... It's hard to say that it's less likely. I'm gonna have to go with more likely, just for the simple fact that they have that investment in Taysom Hill, and Sean Payton has a hard on for this guy. Like it is ridiculous. At one point, he was saying he's the next Steve Young. It's just like, well, if he's the next Steve Young, then there's, there's, it's not even close. Then, right? I mean, is it, Steve is this Young or Jameis Winston? Uh, Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> I know. Is this just because he went to BYU? I say it's possible. I think so. It's got to be because you know. What what are you looking at here? Eighty seven rushes for four hundred and fifty seven yards, like eight TDs last year. So you know, like he, he's productive in that regard, I suppose. But I mean, ProFootballReference.com doesn't even list him as a quarterback. Like they give you his rushing stats, so you have to go look for it. But just because of the simple fact that Sean Payton has such a desire to get this go it's like fetch for him he wants to make it happen so badly he can taste it but Taysom hill is tim tebow in the current age it's just not gonna happen man 
Long term, that will be proven out. But I think it's more likely that he'll start week one and he'll be given the opportunity to fall flat on his face because you have a more traditional quarterback in Jameis Winston on the bench backing him up. More or less, number two, the Chicago Cubs and Cincinnati Reds feel the Dreams game next year will score as highly as the Red Sox, as the White Sox Yankees game from this year. Uh, I, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going to say more likely. And the reason is it's a gimmick game. People are going to tune in regardless of the teams involved. I like how everyone's getting on them because, oh, the Cubs are tanking. They're going to be terrible next year. And who cares about the Reds? It's like, listen, the who cares about the, the Reds? Listen, these are two Midwest teams. They should have been in the freaking game this year. Like, why are we, why do we have the Red Sox? I mean, why do we have the Yankees and the White Sox in the game? Uh, so I think, I think, uh, I think they did a great job getting two Midwest teams for next year, and it's all about bringing in new audiences and getting new people involved in the game. So yeah, the teams are probably going to be terrible, but it's going to be entertaining regardless. So it is the highest rating since 2005, right? It was a 3.2. 5.87 million viewers on Fox. That's nothing to sneeze at right there. That being said, I'm still going to go less likely for the simple fact that, one, the Yankees, right? The Yankees do bring eyeballs to the TV. Whether you want to, you know, whether you agree with it or not, it's true. And the law of diminishing returns, right? The in, the initial London game, right? Let's compare it to football, right? Oh, we want to God. Talk about, right? The, the initial game. London game was huge. <laughs> now you're just begging people to go. Like, yeah, 10 years down the line, you may just be begging the Marlins and Mariners to go play in Iowa. But it was strong in the beginning and then it incrementally got worse and worse and worse and worse. So it may still be a high rating, but I don't think it would be nearly as good as this one because this was the first and the first is always going to draw the curiosity this weekend. For example, MLB is going back to Williamsport. They're doing their little, they're doing the little league invitational. I doubt it's going to draw as well as the first one just because we've seen it before. It's just, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things that out of morbid curiosity, people tuned in to see the field, people tuned in to see the uniforms, people tuned in to see Kevin Costner in character, giving that uh, initial monologue and then walking out of the cornfield. What are you going to do when it, again, is the Marlins and the Mariners? They're going to come in and that, uh, what, that teal blue, that teal green Marlins cap from 1993? They're going to get like, lost gonna, in the corn. Right. <laughs> they're going to, the uh, the Mariners are going to come out as the Seattle Pilots. Like, they're going to wear the old jerseys. Like, you know, there, there was enough nostalgia and there was enough history with those teams that it worked. And the next year, it's you have the Cubs and the Reds. Again, history, nostalgia. There's something there. But eventually, it's just going to diminish. I, I just don't think it's going to be as strong. More or less, number three, the LA Clippers will regret trading away Patrick Beverly to the Grizzlies. Oh, man, that's definitely more likely. I mean, the Clips... I mean, just so everybody knows, uh, Pat Bev was traded to the Grizzlies, and then he was traded to the Timberwolves. I mean, Pat Bev is what playoff basketball is about. He takes on the challenge of playing defense against the best player on the other team, and he gives 110%. There's no doubt he will make his way back to a contender at some point next year, and you better believe the Clippers are going to regret not having them on their team. Absolutely. It's totally more likely that they're going to regret it regardless of the, the return they got in the trade. And who's to say they don't get him back? You yeah, know, yeah, definitely possible. It's within the realm of possibility that 
they needed to include this to offset salary or something like because I mean he he didn't even get to did he even make it to Memphis or did they just reroute him in the in midair? I think they rerouted like, him midair. Yeah, they already like, had yeah. the deal. It's just like, dude, just go to Minneapolis. Just like for, forget Memphis. Go to Minneapolis. Like it, it they they're probably gonna send out one like thank you for your thank you for everything you did for this organization, Patrick. It was wonderful. It was like it was like the Seattle Kraken. Like they're trading away guys. Like thank you so much for being a part of this franchise. That's what we're gonna do. But he plays hard. He's intense. He's a shit talker. He is. I mean, you're looking at a career eight, four, and three player. So he's got to bring something else to the table because he's not the most skilled guy in the world. But he brings will. He brings heart. He brings intensity. You need guys like that in order to contend. You need glue guys. And Patrick Beverly is one of the ultimate glue guys. And the ultimate irony would be if he ended up on the Lakers and just that would just be the ultimate mind fuck. Which that, I could see happening, right? I mean, they yeah. would definitely take a, a guard of his caliber um, as a backup just because he plays with heart. I mean, he plays he plays edgy. He's he's a pain in the ass to deal with all the time. And I'm sure he's going to play pretty cheaply as well because they can't afford anybody. <laughs> Let's be real here. Uh, but, you know, like even like, a veteran team like the Jazz, the Jazz could use him behind Conley. The Nuggets, the Nuggets would love a guy like him. Like, he makes a team better. And I haven't even, like, what about him and Trey Young in Atlanta? Like, that would be very interesting. So he is not going to have a short supply of suitors come the trade deadline because we both know that the Minnesota Wolves, they, they suck. So even with Carl Anthony Towns, even, you know, they're just not there. So you're just building up assets to flip them and get something for the future. And you could do worse. You could find a worse asset out there than Patrick Beverly for sure. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. Order up. We are almost through our NFL preview, boys and girls. This week, we are ordering up. Order up, order up. The NFC West from four to one. Who you got, D? Man, I, I don't know about you, but this was this was really tough. I really had to sit down and like look at this. I, I wrote it all down, and then I had to rewrite it. Uh, yeah. So at number four... <laughs> actually have the 49ers i think the team's gonna struggle on defense without sala and bose is coming back but you know you never write that first year i think jimmy g stays healthy this year but the offense will be up and down inconsistent i think they'll be better next year at three this might surprise you but i have arizona uh, Hopkins, Brubaker, Watt, Jones, Murray, Connor, Green, Edmonds. I think they have all the talent in the world. But unfortunately, Cliff Kingsbury is their coach. I, don't, <laughs> I just don't believe in the guy. I don't believe in the guy. And um, I don't think he's going to be able to get them to play to the caliber that they need to. Um, and at two... I have Seattle. Um, they, let me just say this: the team's gonna—they're gonna come in second, but they're gonna struggle to run the ball. I, I don't believe in Carson or Penny. 
They're, Carson's always hurt. Penny's actually coming off of being hurt. Uh, the thing that's consistent about them is Russ. He's posted several 30-plus touchdown seasons in a row. His wide receivers are good. Um, but I have a feeling they're going to struggle this year. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold on their defense, even though I love Bobby Wagner. And they just extended Jamal Adams. Um, but I think they're going to be play well enough to come in second place. And number one in all your hearts, the <laughs> Los Angeles Rams. It's hard to look on paper and not believe this team is going to win the division. They're the best defensive player in the game in Aaron Donald. They went and got Matt Stafford. They got Jalen Ramsey at corner. They lost Akers, but they should be able to pick up ground with Henderson, Woods, and Cupper good. They do not have a lot of depth, so their downfall could possibly be injury. But I have them taking the division. And Les Snead and Sean McVay keep their jobs. Now, would that be a good thing right now? Because they don't, ha- they still don't have a first-round pick until both you and I are long retired. Well, they'll, so. they'll get ousted early, but um, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is gonna. This is definitely the toughest division that we have had to pick so far. Any of these teams, I could make an argument for any of them being first. I can make any an argument for any of them to be last. So it's definitely tough. But we do agree on the 49ers being in fourth place. And this is not an indictment of Jimmy G. This is not an indictment of Kyle Shanahan. But get your quarterback situation figured out. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And if you're if you're serious about Trey Lance, then just go in with him right now. The offensive line was a big factor in the reason why their season tailspin last year, because they went through Bethard, Mullins, and Jimmy G. Injuries definitely ravaged that team. If they can get healthy and whole, they could be in last place with a winning record. Like that's, you know, it, it's within the realm of possibility. Number three, this one was tough. But I'm going to go with the Seahawks. The Seahawks, in my opinion, have not improved. The Dwayne Brown situation is still not resolved. Russell Wilson is now bitching that he, he wants to get his left, you know, his left tackle paid after throwing his entire offensive line under the bus. And there's a <laughs> lot of drama, a lot of bullshit up in Seattle. And frankly, Jamal Adams is the greatest out-of-position linebacker in all of football. Great tackler, great hitter, cannot catch. Like, can I, I mean, pass the, great for pass defenses. How many drop picks are you going to have this year, Jamal? Over or under the jersey number on your back. Uh, number two, I got to go with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams for the, for the simple fact that you mentioned it. They're very thin. They are very, very thin. An injury to Copper Woods cripples that team. It's done. And forget it if Stafford gets hurt. And Aaron Donald, you know, Aaron Donald is a great player, but he was clearly hobbled last year, and he was a spy. He was a shadow last year in the playoffs. So, but any of these guys go down, it's game over. And... I fully expect at least one, if not two, to go down. So that leaves the Arizona Cardinals by default in first place. They're, I mean, they're a very well-rounded team. The exception is that head coach. I agree. But talent definitely is there. You added J.J. Watt. You added John Connor, to James Connor rather, to back up Edmonds. Kyler Murray, another year under him. I've, I firmly believe that he will take another step up, and they are loaded with offensive weapons. Kingsbury just needs to get out of the way. Just get out really, of the way. You really, believe, you really believe he's not going to hold them back? If they do not make the playoffs this year, Kingsbury is, is done. Like, I, I'm putting it out there right now. Like, he is done. If this team is ready-made, I think we would agree, right? They're they're designed to contend now. It's not it's not a develop Kyler Murray situation. 
once you make DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, like yeah. once you bring in a guy like JJ Watt, now nah, we're ready to go now. And if you're not going to take us there now, we're going to can you, and we're going to find somebody who will. That's not just bad. the for the NFL. Not, not bad for a team that drafted Josh Rosen and messed it up, right? <laughs> no, think not about to, it. They, well, they yeah. rebounded pretty nicely, even though they they jacked that up. Not a lot of teams no, can do that. No, absolutely. And that's a credit to the player personnel department. And that is it's actually a credit to Josh Rosen, too, because without that failure, they wouldn't have been bad enough to be in position to take Kyler Murray. So that's our four to one. What's your four to one? Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route DNZ on Twitter, or email us at Fade Route Mail at gmail.com and let us know. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.